Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday Night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Andrew Womack. I got my chief counsel here, Richard Harris. And I tell you, we've been having some great Truth and Liberty. We had Kelly Shackelford on last yes. week. I wasn't here because we started our ministers conference mm -hmm. and I was ministering, but I heard it was really, really good. Yeah, it was. It was great. Great information. That was, that was awesome. And tonight we've got Alan Parker with us. We'll give a better introduction, but Alan has been used uh, in the Roe versus Wade and also what was the other one? The Doe versus Bolton, Bolton case, the women who filed those things, mm -hmm. he actually represented them and they've been trying to get those decisions overturned. They've now gone on to be with the Lord. But anyway, he's got an insight about this and then the moral outcry is uh, involved in this Louisiana case. It's in front of the Supreme Court and will be heard in December. So this is some really, really good news. Yep that we're going to be sharing tonight. But before we get into all of that, this is Richard. I want him to tell you how you can participate, how you can get your questions answered. And also we've got a lot of really good things coming up. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Um, super excited to have Alan Parker on tonight. And just chatting before the show, he was sharing all kinds of stuff that neither one of us had ever heard about Roe versus Wade and the, the backstory on that. So this is going to be great. If you want to participate tonight, we definitely want to hear from you, your comments and questions. And if you're watching on our website on truthandliberty.net, you can just post your questions and comments there in the chat function. If you're on Facebook, you can do it in the uh, uh, in the comment section there. So we look forward to hearing from you. Um, uh, if you're not familiar with our website, I want to encourage you to check it out, especially the resources page there, as we it is literally chock full of information and resources that will help you to become involved and more effective as you try to stand for Christ and for truth in the public square. One of the most recent things we've added is a link to Kelly Shackelford's uh, petition called the Supreme Coup. And uh, in this he is uh, asking the Supreme, or he's, he's bringing to it to light the, the, the danger that's posed by the Biden administration's court packing plan. And every one of us need to get on there and sign that petition today, because if that passes, it'll wreck our republic. So check that out and all the other great resources we have on there. Here at Andrew Womack Ministries, we've got some great events coming up. Uh, the, the next conference here is called Women Arise, and that's October 28th through the 30th. So ladies, make your plans now, get your hotel room and come on out for Women Arise. It's an awesome event. Uh, Carrie Pickett is going to be ministering along with Audrey Mack. And if you've never heard uh, these women minister, you are missing out. I tell you, they can bring the fire and bring the word. And you want to come out here, you'll get recharged, rejuvenated, make great connections, and it'll be a great event. So register today on awmi.net slash events. Also, the holidays are coming up. Can you believe that? They're, they're really right around the corner. Um, and the uh, Heart of Christmas performance, if you can mark 
mark your calendars now to be a part of that. Uh, you will not regret it. December 10th through the 12th here at Andrew Womack Ministries in Woodland Park, Colorado. Imagine going to the Rocky Mountains and watching a biblical presentation of the gospel in a world-class drama that you'll never forget. It's called The Heart of Christmas. Check it out on the website at awmi.net. And also around the same time, the 16th through the 19th is the new uh, thing we're doing for Christmas called the Live Nativity. And uh, this was so cool. You get to drive through the campus. It's going to be all lit up uh, with Christmas lights and you'll go past a live nativity with, with animals and real live human beings and everything. And it's uh, just a sight to behold. It'll, it'll be a great blessing to you. Um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I want to encourage you to do that. If you if you subscribe, then you will be eligible to, re well, not eligible, you'll begin to receive uh, our blog posts and informative emails that we send out. Uh, we try not to do too many of them, but a couple times a week, uh, you'll receive uh, helpful and useful information in your inbox that'll again help you to stand for Christ. And if you just go on our website, the upper right-hand corner where it says subscribe, click that, give us your email address, and uh, you'll be eligible to receive a a free gift in the mail, uh, one of Andrew's books. Last week, we gave away Financial Stewardship, which is actually one of my favorite series that Andrew does because it presents an awesome balanced view of, of finances. And uh, Sandra Hofstra, you are the winner of that. You should be getting an email from us I shortly. I thought it said Scott Hofstra. Scott. Why did I say? Sandra. I need to put these on, Andrew. <laughs> well, Sandra, you're not getting one, but Scott is. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this week's uh, giveaway is Excellence, How to Pursue an Excellent Spirit, a great little book by Andrew uh, about how we need to pursue excellence in our life and in our devotion to Christ. And it comes out of um, the, uh, the scripture where it talks about the three Hebrew children and Daniel and how Daniel had an excellent spirit. And it led to his promotion in the, in the Gentile ungodly kingdom where he became an instrument of the Lord. Lord, and uh, we all need to pursue that. Um, so subscribe today and be eligible for that. Um, and also, if you're not a member of Truth and Liberty, I want to invite you to do that. Uh, become a, f a supporter, a financial supporter. We can do what we do because of your generosity. And all you have to do is go on our website to the donate page, sign up to make an re automatic recurring donation of $5 or more per month, and you'll become a Truth and Liberty Coalition member. And we will send you in the mail a free copy of Alex McFarland's book, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our nation before it is too late. This is a great and a powerful book. Really encourage you to do that. Uh, and last thing tonight is uh, if you need someone to agree with you in prayer, uh, Andrew has an incredible team of trained spirit-filled prayer ministers standing by to take your call tonight, no matter what it is. And I tell you, we hear miracles every day out of that phone center. And I think they're now 24-7, aren't they, Andrew? I think it's next week. We next week. Okay. I saw the announcement, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. We're a little early on that. But call anyway, and uh, someone will agree with you in prayer, and that number is 719-635-1111. Well, that's all I've got for now. And let me say that if you are watching, you need to go to our website because I think we've had a total of three weeks that we've been canceled on YouTube because we yep. say the truth and they don't like the truth. It's a real badge of honor to be uh, blackballed by YouTube. Yeah, YouTube's uh, taken down three videos in the last two months. So uh, jump over onto our website and watch straight on with uncensorable content. So I'm really excited about tonight having Alan Parker on. I'm going to let Richard give the introduction because he's a lawyer and there, there's a lot of lawyer ease in this stuff. But the thing I'm interested in is that Alan has actually represented 
Um, let me see here. It was uh, Norma McCorvey, and she's the one that was the Roe in Roe versus Wade, and then Sandra Kano, and he was telling us some things before the uh, uh, broadcast tonight about this that neither one of us have ever mm -hmm. heard. And so the people that the uh, liberals use to get these cases up there and actually start abortion all wanted to back out of it. And he's represented them and has a personal uh, knowledge of them. And so I think this is really going to be good. So Yeah, that's amazing. You give a better introduction. All right. Well, well, Alan Parker is the president of the Justice Foundation. And he, as Andrew mentioned, he was lead counsel for Norma McCorvey and uh, Sandra Kano. That's where I got Sandra from. My brain switch that out yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's no excuse but but one of the most exciting things Alan is doing now is called the moral outcry which is a ministry of the Justice Foundation he's got a petition that he's going to talk about tonight that we can all be a part of of letting our voice be heard on the subject of, of abortion it's designed to wake up the nation and galvanize our national conscience to end the scourge of abortion in America and uh, also he's got a ministry to bring awareness to um, the issue of forced abortion and and that's right, forced abortion and how abortion harms women. All we hear in the news is that abortion is for women, but in actuality, uh, the, the, the truth is that it is, does a great harm to women, to women. He's a former professor of law at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, visiting professor at the University of Texas, and we won't hold that against him. Uh, but he's uh, also graduated from UT Austin with a JD degree in, with honors. So he is truly a legal scholar, an accomplished jura, uh, you know, attorney before the United States Supreme Court, and we're just very honored to have you with us tonight, Alan. So, Alan, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you both. Thank you very much for having me on your program. So, we got to meet you at the National Association of Christian Lawmakers. Richard and I were both there, and I'm on the advisory board for that, which is kind of funny because I'm <laughs> the farthest thing from no. a lawyer, but for some reason they wanted me on the lawyer's uh, advisory board, and it's, it was really good. So, we're excited to have you tonight. So we've got a lot to talk about. Um, I think I would like to start with just your interaction with Norma McCorvey and also Sandra Kano. And there's a lot of people that don't know that these women actually regretted uh, the legal action that brought about Roe versus Wade. And they have filed some type of a legal thing to overturn that. Tell us what's going on there. Well, that's right. Back in the year 2000, I began to have the opportunity to represent Norma and Sandra. Norma was the Roe of Roe v. Wade. Sandra was the Doe of Doe v. Bolton. The two cases that together brought abortion to America and struck down the laws of every state which criminalized abortion. Well, at the time they contacted me, there had been some changes in their life. Norma McCorvey, the Roe of Roe v. Wade, she did want an abortion in 1973, and yet she never had an abortion. So it wasn't until she began to work in abortion clinics and saw the horror of actual abortion that her conscience began to bother her. And a sidewalk counselor opposing abortion uh, befriended her and the sidewalk counselor's daughter got to know Norma and went inside. And like one day she heard Miss Norma said, go to H somebody on the phone. And Miss Norma, you don't want anybody to go to hell. That's a terrible place. She invited her to church. Norma heard John 3:16, and she gave her life to the Lord and was baptized in 1995 
on national TV. So it made big news that the row of Roe v. Wade became pro-life. I met her in the year 2000, about five years after that, and she had dedicated her life to ending abortion. Wow. So I met her on February 14, 2000. On February 11th, I got a call from Sandra Kano, the Doe of Doe v. Bolton. And her case was the companion to Roe, which created the health exception that allowed abortion on the demand up to the moment of birth. Because the court in Roe said, well, in the first trimester, you can't ban it. Uh, after the baby's viable, you can. And in the third trimester, you can even ban abortion. But see Doe v. Bolton. And Doe said, unless the health of the mother is involved. It sounds wonderful. We all want to protect the health of the mother. But the court said part of health is psychological well-being. So if a woman said, I wouldn't be happy having a baby, there is her psychological health being impacted. And the court said it's just between the woman and the doctor. They even struck down a three-judge, a three-doctor rule. And if you wanted good health care, wouldn't two or three doctors' opinion be better than one? But they struck that down. So, Alan, let me interrupt and ask, how, how come these women contacted you? What was the connection? Well, they had already to be filing. They'd already both wanted to reverse their own cases. So what's amazing and unusual, that for the first time in American history, two women who won landmark cases at the Supreme Court wanted to reverse them. That's, I don't know of any other case, and I've talked to big groups of lawyers. No one knows of a case where somebody won a major case and went back, and they wanted to reverse their own cases. So I had agreed to do a friend of the court brief them in a, in a case where a little 16-year-old girl had been forced to have an abortion. And I went to my first March for Life in Washington in the year 2000. And on the way back in the Dallas airport, the idea hit me that Norma and Sandra could file a Rule 60 motion. As a former professor of law, I kind of knew about this obscure provision where the parties can seek to set aside a judgment if it is no longer just. And so uh, the Lord also kind of told me to collect the women's testimonies. He, he kind of said there's two great lies about abortion. Number one, it's not a baby. That's a lie. The second is that it's good for women. And that's a lie. And the, the pro-life movement had been saying this is a baby but they really didn't know, how do you prove it's not good for women? And it came to me as, well, women would be the ones who would say that. Because I believe thou shalt not murder is actually written on people's hearts. Thank God for society that most people don't want to kill other people. And when you do, it produces bad psychological consequences. So anyway, I, I thought, okay, I'll collect the testimonies. But really, I said, Lord, is this really you? I wanted to pray for 30, I prayed for 30 days, and on February 11th, 2000, Sandra called me and poured out this story of fraud and deception. She was, she'd never wanted an abortion. She'd already had two children taken away from her by Child Protective Services, and her mother didn't think she could take care of another child. She was in a difficult life situation, so they were going to have an abortion under the Georgia law, which said if three doctors said you could need an abortion, you get it. So they you're saying that suitcase. the mother was going to force this abortion on Sandra? Yes, through the legal procedure of making it available to her. And she took her suitcase and fled to Oklahoma 
to avoid having to have that done because she didn't really feel like she had much choice in the matter. And they told her, if you don't, if you don't say anything, we won't make you have an abortion. So there was no discovery in the case, no trial. Her name was not revealed to the other side, except as Mary Doe. There was no discovery, so this was not known. It was a shock to me. And on our website, thejusticefoundation.org, everything we're going to talk about tonight, the legal frame, free services available, everybody, it's on thejusticefoundation.org. And uh, Norma's testimony and Sandra's sworn testimony that we took back to the Supreme Court are both there, and they're fascinating stories. Let me just finish a little bit. Both of them are now with the Lord. I believe I believe they're both the Lord. Only the Lord knows for sure. But I, I know Norma's testimony and her conversion was sincere. She spent her life. She prayed with us. She went to Portugal. She went to other countries. She did everything she could to stop abortion. And uh, Every year on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, even though she knew she'd been forgiven for her sins, she felt responsible for another million babies being killed. And it, it really ate at her. And I knew her up until her death. She had a, uh, she'd converted to Catholicism. She had a Catholic funeral. And uh, I believe that she was a Christian up to the moment of her death. And, and well, there, was some, there was some criticism, a um, foreign some foreign journalists said something about that that wasn't a genuine deal. You had personal relationship with her. What's your opinion on that? Yes. At the end of her life, she went into a nursing home and she wasn't traveling around and speaking against abortion like she used to. But I talked with her and I remember her telling me, uh, hey, I'm doing a pro-life video. It's a team from either Ireland or England. I don't remember what she said, but they were from one of those two countries. And they're paying me for my story, so it's great. And I can get it out one last time. And she thanked me for helping her to try to reverse Roe v. Wade. So that was, you know, close to the end of her death. Well, three years after her death, when she couldn't defend herself, the last time the Supreme Court was considering a case that could reverse abortion, they came out with a video, which I believe they befriended her and deceived her and through selective editing made it look like she was no longer pro-life. And I think she she was, and I think definitely she was a Christian. They they implied she changed sides for the money. And, um, you know, if you get 30000 if you get $40,000 a year, which is not a lot of money, it's a normal job, and you do it for five years, that's $200,000. But so they claim that she got hundreds of thousands of dollars, but she really just got modest speaking fees for speaking at banquets and things like that that other people did. There's not much money on the pro-life side, and it was kind of a slander. And so a from new, your personal relationship with her, you believe that that was a concocted story. And I, I can agree with that because, man, I get twisted all of the time. They try and make you say things you never said. Yes, I agree. And there just came out with a biography about Norma and her children called The Family Row, and he's a pro-choice biographer and quite negative about Norma, but he said it was unfair to say she switched sides for money. That was not what she did. And her own pro-choice pro biographer says that. So, uh, you know, there is a debate, and I personally believe that uh, 
push, putting some federal law in place where you overrule the states is unconstitutional. So the whole foundation of Roe versus Wade is incorrect. But then uh, you go beyond that and, and they wanted to overturn this own decision and stuff. It just seems like that there was a bunch of, uh, I guess, activist judges that actually passed this. Uh, it, it wasn't really a, a honest case being tried from my perspective. What do you say? Yes, in Roe, there was only Norma's and Sandra's affidavits in Roe and Doe. When we filed our motions to reverse it, we put a thousand affidavits from women who had been injured by abortion. We had over 5,000 pages of evidence, but when the case got to the Supreme Court at that time in 2005 for Norma and about 2006 for Sandra, uh, the court declined to take their case. The technical term is denied cert, but that means we get eight to 9,000 applications a year. We only take 80 or 90%, 80 or 90 cases. You have a 1% chance of them taking it. And they did not take their case. It means we don't want to hear your case at this time. They didn't rule against them on the merits, has no precedential value, but they declined to hear it. So I was really rather devastated. But in the year 2007, those testimonies that God told us to collect of women hurt by abortion uh, were heard by the Supreme Court in the Gonzalez v. Carhartt case where the court upheld the federal ban on partial birth abortion, a very gruesome procedure. And Janet Porter was one of the leaders in the fight against partial birth abortion. Mm -hmm. And she, But in 2000, the court had struck down 38 state laws banning partial birth abortion. And uh, one of the leaders in the pro-life movement, that was when I started collecting women testimonies and said, I'm going to take it back. And he said, Al, they just looked into the pit of hell and didn't blink. Because these are babies that are three quarters of the way out. They puncture the skull and kill the baby and suck the baby's brains out. So, Alan, you so, also have in this Operation Outcry, it says that you hold the largest collection in the world of legally admissible written testimony from women hurt by abortion. This is something that isn't em emphasized. They say it's just a simple, easy procedure. Right. Give us some uh, different opinion on that. Well, everything I know about what abortion does to women comes from women themselves. And they have told me that it causes suicidal thoughts, feeling like a murderer, drug abuse, uh, substance abuse, other drugs, uh, inability to bond with your current children. I remember one woman who had her an abortion because she already had a baby and she didn't think she could care for that baby. She came home, the baby was crying. Her friend said, here's your baby. And she just turned around and went into the womb and cried over the baby she had just killed. Mm. So it can cause inability to bond. It can cause overprotectiveness, inner anniversary reactions. And even the Supreme Court in 1992 in Planned Parenthood v. Casey said, Abortion can cause devastating psychological consequences to women. And in Gonzalez, based on the testimony of 180 women hurt by abortion and Sandra Kano, they finally listened to her in this case. They said, some women come to regret aborting the infant life they once created and sustained. Yeah. See brief of Kano and 180 women hurt by abortion. So it was Sandra's brief 
and the testimony of women that made the court for the first time call it infant life at mm. the moment of abortion. It had always been a fetus or a potential life before that. So how do we overcome Satan? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And today in the Mississippi case, in addition to the moral outcry signatures, we represent 2,249 women hurt by abortion who are asking the court to reverse it. And we put 4,728 legally admissible written testimonies in a Dropbox in our brief. So there's massive testimonies and people need to pray the court will read those testimonies. And let me say that, you know, I started four pregnancy centers in this area and I mean, it's had a big impact. And uh, one of the programs that we started in there is what we call PACE, Post-Abortion Counseling Education. And there were women that were not only psychologically, emotionally hurt, but I mean, physically, it causes sterility sometimes mm -hmm. and all kinds of other problems. And this abortion pill that I think uh, Planned Parenthood is really beginning to promote, they mm -hmm. say that that's just the morning after pill and no side effects. That thing can cause a tremendous amount mm -hmm. of problems. It is. It's the most gruesome procedure for a woman to go through because they go home and they pass the baby, sometimes into their hand, sometimes into a toilet. And the place of home becomes the place of trauma. So many women can never go by the abortion clinic. Now they can hardly go into their own bathroom without being reminded of the life that they've taken. Mm -hmm. And I wanna say something, if you don't mind, Pastor, that abortion is a sin, it's a grievous sin, but it is not the unforgivable sin. And our women, uh, we have on our website at thejusticefoundation.org uh, forms that the women can give their testimony, but we also refer them to post-abortion recovery healing programs, like you mentioned, some of the ones today that are out there. There's one available everywhere in America. And if you're a woman who's had an abortion, urge you to just confess your sin to the Lord. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. If you confess your sin and make him your Lord and Savior, you'll get eternal life Amen. in exchange for your sin. So there's healing and forgiveness. And then we need healed women to tell the courts and the legislature and the world and other women how abortion hurts you. But we'll, we, you, so you fill out the form online and we'll protect your identity in the way you instruct us to do it. Alan, where, where can women find those forms? Again, it's at the justicefoundation.org and it's under a tab called Operation Outcry, Silent No More. When we represented Norma and Sandra, that's what the women wanted to call their portion of telling their testimonies. They named it Operation Outcry, Silent No More. And actually Janet Porter was involved in that also, believe it or not. Uh, we didn't have a name and she prayed and she came up with Operation Outcry. I tell you, Jan, it's been on our program a number of times. That woman's stronger than garlic. She's a blessing. Yes, she is. So there is a case, I believe it's from Louisiana, that's going to be heard in December before the Supreme Court, and it's got the potential to overturn Roe versus Wade. Tell us what's going on. It does. I represent an amazing client whose name is Melinda Tebow, and she's the founder of the Moral Outcry Petition. And she was the pro-life prayer initiative leader, one of them at International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And as she was praying one day, 
she saw in her mind or saw in a vision, perhaps she saw a, a, a petition being rolled out to the Supreme Court like Wilberforce did in the movie Amazing Grace. And she prayed into it. She called me and said, Alan, has anybody ever sent a petition to the Supreme Court? And I said, well, not that I know of. And she said, could it be done? And I said, yes, I think it could be done. There's no rule that says you can't do it. And as a citizen of the United States, you have the right to petition your government for redress of grievances. And who created this grievance? It wasn't the states. Most of them made it a crime to have an abortion. It wasn't Congress. It was the United States Supreme Court alone which decriminalized what should be a crime. And in fact, so we, we started the, what it basically does, the petition answers the question legally, why should Roe v. Wade be reversed? And it gives everybody in America the opportunity to do something. Because in an amazing occurrence, uh, Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch have co-authored a book called The Law of Judicial Precedent. And one of the reasons for overturning a Supreme Court decision, if it has been severely criticized. And so calling abortion a crime against humanity, which it is, is severe criticism. And having half a million people, which is what we've got now, that is a major block of people expressing their opinion to the court. It carries great weight under the law of judicial precedent itself. And so you've already uh, given this petition to the Supreme Court? Yes, and we're going to continue to do it in every abortion case until Roe v. Wade is completely reversed. And here's the five reasons. Number one, abortion is a crime against humanity. That occurs when the government withdraws legal protection from a class of human beings. What are some examples in history you can think of where the government has said to a class of human beings, you're not getting legal protection? And we point out two times in America, some of them are thinking of what's happened in Europe, but our Supreme Court in the Dred Scott case mm -hmm. said to African-Americans, you are an inferior race. You're not entitled to protections from the white culture. And that caused the Civil War. Then number two, it was one of the causes of the Civil War. Number two, the second time, the Supreme Court after the Civil War in 1896 allowed segregation to continue in a case called Plessy versus Ferguson. What was great in 1954 in Brown v. Board of Education, the Supreme Court didn't amend the Constitution. They just reversed their own precedent. 58 years old, Rose only... 48 euros. If you don't want Roe v. Wade reversed, you might as well have been saying segregation forever or slavery forever because they were just bad Supreme Court decisions. And you and know, it's Alan, time to be some people won't like this, but in every one of those decisions, it was the Democrats that pushed this. Andrew Jackson is the one that put, I believe his name was Tenney, the one that wrote the decision in the Dred Scott case and on and on it goes. And the Democrats have been the one pushing abortion and standing for it. And uh, I tell you, we need to stop this. Well, there is a group that was formed last Friday in Washington, D.C. that are progressives, liberal Democrats who are pro-life and want their party to change. <laughs> because if you're the party of justice, who's the weakest, most vulnerable member of society? It's a child in the womb. And the second argument of our moral petition is 
new evidence shows life begins at conception. I believe John Roberts will write an opinion that says the court did the best job it could in 1973, but it said at that state in the development of man's knowledge, we can't speculate when life begins. Now we have DNA testing, in vitro fertilization. Uh, One of the clients we represent, and, and Melinda Tebow adopted four frozen embryos. Her son, Gideon Wilberforce Tebow, Mm-hmm. We have a picture of him at six days after fertilization in a Petri dish. And he's identified by the doctor as a male. Wow. Think that, about that. That's amazing. Six days after fertilization. There's no observable difference between the male and the female, but science can determine it. So then we have a picture of him after birth holding the shofar. That's amazing. That, you know, some people can't figure out if they're male or female, but six days into it, they know whether they're a male. Some people, 20 years later, can't figure it out. That's something else. Hey, Alan, so the uh, the moral outcry petition, um, we we put that up on the on the screen. We should do that again. People can yes. still sign that and can still have an yes. impact because you're continuing to present it, right? Yes, and we're going to present it in the media because you have to fight the battles in the court of a public opinion, and in the court. Now, normally. We don't want the judges being swayed by public opinion just on any issue, but un- and you know they do pay some attention to public opinion, but they should be above it if the law is clear. But under the law of judicial precedent, when they've made a wrong decision, then whether or not people have accepted it or not is a factor in their analysis whether to reverse it. That's why the other side tries to call Roe a super precedent, like Plessy was the law for 58 years, segregation, and, and Lincoln was the party of re- freeing the slaves. The Republican Party was born to give full human dignity to the African-American lives. And now the Republican Party is the more party that is more likely to support full human dignity for children in the womb. So let me go so back the, to the case that's yeah. going before the Supreme Court in December. What case is that, and does it have the potential of overturning Roe versus Wade? It's the Mississippi ban on late-term abortion after 15 weeks. It's called the Dobbs case in the news. You'll hear about it a lot that way. But Mississippi said after the baby is 15 weeks old in the womb, you can no longer do an abortion. So that's a second trimester and third trimester abortion. We, Because we've collected so many testimonies of women, the Justice Foundation also represents 375 women who filed a brief in the Dobbs case saying, we had late-term abortions. They are horrible, gruesome procedures. The baby in many cases is already moving in the mother's womb. They administer something to kill the child and then something to produce labor. It's a two-day procedure. It is very horrible and very gruesome. And uh, much more than I could even say on this show. So those women are before the court saying, please don't let other women suffer as we have. That's the third argument of the moral outcry petition, abortion hurts women. And then the fourth argument is, what would happen if Roe v. Wade were reversed today? The major thing that's not very well known out there is that every state has a safe haven law. And if a state like Texas, which is in the news, because it's banning every abortion after six weeks, even if it banned every abortion like Arkansas did this year, um, 
No woman would have to parent a child that she doesn't want to parent or can't parent. Because under the safe haven law in every state, including California, New York, you can drop your baby off, relinquish the child at a hospital or fire station or other designated safe spot within a set period of time after birth, and they'll take your baby from you and you're free from all obligation to parent that baby. So it's free, unlike abortion. It's equally available to the rich and the poor. It's in every state. You don't have to travel to another state. And it eliminates what the Supreme Court called the reliance interest that in 1992 kept five judges who had written that Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided from actually reversing Roe v. Wade in the Casey Court. So we have to address the reliance interest. And the other side, brief say, women have come to rely upon this to participate in the economic and social life of the nation. Well, our women say, we dropped out of college rather than being able to go to college. We got into drugs. We couldn't keep a job because of the devastation of abortion. So today, we can say, don't kill the baby. Don't hurt yourself. Give us the baby as a society through the safe haven law. What will happen to those children? The last argument is there's one to two million people waiting to adopt newborn children. So I call it the love, love, love solution. Love the baby and justice for the baby. Mercy for the mother. Let's love the mother. If you can't take care of the baby, give us the baby. Don't hurt yourself. We'll give it to the million families that are vetted waiting to adopt newborn children. Amen. Amen. Well, Alan, uh, uh, what, what's going to happen if Roe versus Wade is reversed? What, will it go back to the states? Uh, will the states get to decide one by one whether abortion is legal or, or illegal? What's your forecast on that? I believe we're going to get a victory in the case, but I don't know how much or how big a victory it will be. And we can't give up if we don't win everything all at once. It took a long time to end slavery. It took a long time to end segregation. This is an ingrained injustice. And many people, a lot of our women explain that many of them were angry pro-choicers because if you don't repent, then you've got to deny. I didn't do anything wrong. Come on, do it with me. Uh, but I believe that uh, they could go two ways. And part of the reason that we call abortion a crime against humanity, which is when the government withdraws legal protection from a class of human beings, if we get 10 or 20 or 30 million people saying that, how do you remedy a crime against humanity? The only way is by giving legal protection to that class of human beings. So the court could say the Constitution protects life. The Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment, they don't mention abortion, they mention life. No person shall be deprived of life. And so they could say that. That's unlikely. It would be almost a miracle, but God's a miracle working God. The second more likely is that they say, well, we're going to reverse Roe and Doe and return the matter to the states who might then be able to ban abortion or protect abortion if they want to. And there's already how many states that have passed some legislation anticipating Roe versus Wade being overturned? Depending on the account, at 11 to 13 states would immediately ban abortion. Arkansas is one of those. In March of this year, with a two-thirds majority in both houses, they passed a law banning all abortion except to save the life of the mother. 
and they based it on the moral outcry petitions. What's in the petition that your audience can sign at themoraloutcry.com or the justicefoundation.org. Google either one and you'll find it. Uh, those, those, those reasons for reversing Roe were adopted by the Arkansas legislature. And we think that's a very powerful argument that they, the court could adopt those arguments. Well, I believe we're getting Roe versus Wade overturned and partial or whatever. But anyway, this is the beginning and the end. And I believe that the Democrats see that. And that's the reason they're talking about court packing. That's the reason they're talking about so many things is because they can see that they're losing ground. Well, they, they proposed a bill in Congress to federally enshrine in statutes the right to abortion, saying states, you can't outlaw it regardless of what the Supreme Court does. Well, uh, do you think that's constitutional, Alan? And w if that passes, will it survive? Well, um, I'm afraid that it's possible that it might. You, if you just treat it as a medical procedure, then Congress has some power to regulate commerce. But if you treat the Constitution as having a right to life, then they can't. It's like if they said, we don't want any more black people in America, and they passed a law saying you can kill black people. That would be unconstitutional, mm -hmm. even if you paid people to kill the black people. And let me just bring that up. The most odd argument of all that's being brought up today is that Planned Parenthood wants to disproportionately kill black infant lives in America. In the Arkansas case and in the Mississippi case, they say that, for example, I've used Arkansas statistics, 15% of the population in Arkansas is black. 40% of the abortions are to low-income black women or black women, yep. whatever their income is. So three times the number of their population, and, and Planned Parenthood says, we want this to continue. We want to have a disproportionate impact on the black population. We want to reduce the number of black infant children in the population, and that's our right to do so, and we want to make money doing it. That's amazing. That is evidence of systemic racism yeah. by their own analysis. You can prove that racist intent by disparate impact. They are disproportionately emboldening. I think, in my personal opinion, and based on that evidence, that Planned Parenthood is the most effective racist organization in American history. Wow. They killed far more than lynchings or anything else. Now, they, and today, they're certainly the most effective racist organization in America by the disparate impact. And their founder was a racist, Margaret Sanger. Absolutely. And they've, ad they've admitted it this year. In the New York Times, the president of Planned Parenthood said, yes, it's time we admit our uh, racist founder. And she hurt black and brown Puerto Rican populations in the past by doing experiments on them without their consent. Abortion without fully informed consent is going on in America today. It hurts women. Someday, there's going to be as much uh, litigation against them as the tobacco industry eventually got for filling people's lungs with black tar and nicotine. And you know, in New York, there's more black babies aborted than there are being born. Mm -hmm. Worldwide, abortion is the number one killer of all diseases, all other causes, wars and everything. Abortion is 
our slavery issue of the day. And of course, there were people back in the 1800s that tried to justify it, but it was wrong. And I tell you, the people who are trying to justify abortion today are wrong, and I'm looking forward to seeing it overturned. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. You know, the U.S., the United States is in uh, pretty bad company on this since only seven countries in the world have laws as liberal as ours on abortion, and most of those are communist or former communist nations like China, North Korea, Cuba. Where they mandated it. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, the, the current state of our law is definitely uh, out of skew and stuff, but Alan, we have a lot of people who are asking tonight how they can help. Um, it, what can people do to support the work that you're doing? Well, the most effective thing is to go to the Justice Foundation uh, org, the Justice Foundation, Google the Justice Foundation, uh, and you can get all three things there. One, you can make a donation, and we would love donations. We're a nonprofit. We're representing all these women at no charge to the women. We represent Melinda Tebow, and the uh, founder of the Moral Outcry Petition at no charge. We filed four briefs in the Supreme Court in this Mississippi case at no charge to all the clients. So that's always helpful. But there are things you can get there. The other thing is any person can sign the moral outcry petition and let the Supreme Court know you think abortion is a crime against humanity. I believe your voice and your name will be recorded in heaven. Uh, the book of Zechariah talks about it. The book of Malachi talks about when the righteous get together, there are books of remembrance. But we'll, we'll put your name in the Supreme Court Dropbox. We can do that, and that's what we do. In every, just your name, no personal contact information, along with half a million others. Our goal, hopefully, is to have a million by the end of this year, and we'll announce that to the press and let people know. And then there's help. If you're a woman who's had an abortion, on our website at the Justice Foundation.org, you click on Operation Outcry or Give My Testimony, we need more testimonies. We give them to courts and legislatures, and you tell us whether to use your first name, full name, or initial only. If you haven't told your family about your abortion, just use your first name or initials. That's how your, your testimony, how do we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony? Let me also say, forced abortion is illegal right now, but it occurs all the time because abortion is legal. Three major types. Adult parents forcing a minor girl to have an abortion against her will, that's illegal in every state. An adult man forcing a woman to abort his child because he doesn't want to be a father, that's illegal already. Number three is human trafficking and prostitution. The pimp wants her to be in business. So all of that is illegal. A voluntary abortion is legal because of Roe, but you can stop forced abortion too much for this show, but we got a lot of legal tools. If you're a counselor in high school or you have, there's a dear parent letter that stops about 95% of the forced abortions if we can get that letter to the parents. So there's a lot of legal tools people can do. Well, let me ask this. You've mentioned Melinda Tebow a number of times, and I know a lot of people are thinking, is this related to Tim Tebow? No, it's not. Uh, they're not related at all. And, uh, her, her name is actually French, so it's spelled differently, too. Oh, okay. But uh, Well, but I just she's wanted to ask, because I can guarantee you some people were thinking that. It is <laughs> a good question. It's a good question. Hey, Alan, we've got a, a viewer asking a really interesting question here that I think is important. And uh, she's asking, since abortions are so prevalent among women of color, 
Can women of color feel assured that their child would be readily adopted into a suitable home? In other words, are there as many people wanting and willing to adopt a baby of color as a white baby? Do you know what the answer to that might be? You know, white is a color. Yes, white. And we're not white. We're some other I know. color. It's just but anyway. terrible the way we pigeonhole people. <laughs> yes, I see a black iPad on your desk, and nobody, <laughs> our skin is, there's nobody that black, yeah, and we're not white. Look at the paper right beside you. That's white. So I'll be the king, my good friend says. We're all one race That's right. and one blood, Acts right. 16. That's right. But yes, today, <clears throat> you look at television commercials, you look at uh, interracial marriage going on, and there are many, many interracial couples and interracial adoption where the, the child and the parent are different races. Now, there people don't understand two things. There's not as many people willing to adopt children who are neglected and abandoned because many people don't feel competent to take a child like that. But there are one to two million families every year where the couple is infertile. In fact, there are six million infertile couples every year. And that means after a year of trying, there's no live baby. Sometimes there's no conception. Sometimes there's miscarriages repeatedly. Problems different. So out of 10% of American women between the ages of uh, uh, 15 and 44, childbearing years, are either in an infertile relationship or infertile themselves. It may be the man that's infertile and, and can't, you know, doesn't have viable sperm. So that of the 6 million, about 10% uh, of the women equals 6 million, about 2 million, 1 to 2 million a year are desperately waiting. When there was an abandoned child in Atlanta, thousands of people lined up say, I'll take that baby. That's a safe haven baby. It was dropped off. And I believe you know, there were only 600,000 or so abortions uh, in the most recent years and a million or two. And that's a revolving number. It's not just a number backed up because new women come in and they're infertile. Old, many women wait till they're late in life to try to have a children and they find they're infertile by waiting so late. Uh, so uh, I believe the answer is that people would take it because they're, they, they want to love a baby. And well, I know from and, personal uh, experience, my niece and her husband uh, have adopted, uh, they've had one child naturally, but they've adopted three others and they're all black, um, African-American, and they are the happiest kids and the most beautiful family. It's the most amazing thing to watch. So. Well, I've got a good friend that was just with us last week at the minister's conference that adopted a baby that's now 10 months old from a woman who didn't want to keep her baby mm -hmm. and they took it at birth. and. There's a lot of people like that. So, um, you know, I don't mean to condemn people, but honestly, the truth is people are either ignorant and they have bought a lie that that is not a human being. And so it's their body, which is a total lie. It's a false premise. Or I think that a lot of them, it's just nothing but convenience. Mm -hmm. They do not want the inconvenience, the expense and stuff, and it's totally selfish. But there is not a rational reason to abort a baby other than just your own personal uh, interest. You aren't thinking about well, it. Well, I may, I may say after talking to lots and lots of women, there are, like what if your father's a pastor and he takes you to get an abortion to protect the family's reputation? 
Uh, many pastors have admitted that, and they've done that. Mm. So, that's, you know, that's a difficult situation. That's totally wrong. You know, they say <laughs> there's a lot of people that will say, well, abortion needs to still be viable in the case of incest or rape. And they'll say, of course, you don't keep those children. But if you look at it from the child's standpoint, the child didn't do anything wrong. Right. It may be an embarrassment to the family. It may be a hardship. But that's not a justification for killing a child, that, uh, an innocent. That's right. You know, there are people and that we can point to who were conceived in rape or in incest or whatever, who have gone on to do great things. Been, Absolutely. Uh, James Robison is the number one example in my mind. And he, how many people are going to be in heaven because of that man? And if his mother had aborted him, she, uh, he was the product of a rape. Uh, who knows what would have happened? So, and, and again, many women who have aborted their children after rape feel, I began to feel like the criminal, like I was a murderer before I was a victim. Now I was a criminal. And that can have, and women who have kept the baby, not or just brought it to birth, whether they keep it or not, they give life, and it's healing in that intensely trauma situation. Well, so, can we can we stuff, just touch yeah. on politics for just a second here? Which is, what's uh, share with our viewers, if you would, how's the Biden administration doing on the life issue? <laughs> well, they're the most extreme anti-life. Uh, administration in American history. It is shocking. President Trump was the most pro-life Republican president. President Biden is the most abortion extreme president, including uh, wanting to take away all the state's laws that have been passed to protect life. He supports the codification of the Roe v. Wade. So, you know, one of the things that we haven't talked about that everybody can do is pray. And this Mississippi case is going to be argued on December 1st. And we're calling on everybody in America that believes that abortion is the shedding innocent blood. God hates the shedding innocent blood. And he wants to forgive people, but we have to repent. We're calling for a national day of repentance and solemn assemblies all across the nation. Churches can do their own. Multiple citywide churches can do it in their... People can go pray in front of the abortion clinics. That's one of the most effective things to shut clinics down. There are more pregnancy centers than abortion clinics in America because of prayer. And uh, so we're calling on a nationwide day of prayer and repentance and turning away from the sin of abortion on December 1st. So is this something that's organized? I mean, like if they go to uh, the... Uh, your website, is there something that they sign up to participate in this, or is it just something you're adv advocating people do on their own? No, if they sign the Moral Outcry petition, they'll get a notice from us of where the activities are all going to be. There'll probably be a 24-hour national telephonic Zoom call that day, and with many different national leaders praying and repenting with women, telling about their abortions and repenting, and abortionists who are now on the side of life, repenting, like Norma and Sandra, Roe and Dodie. So we're going to have a national day of repentance with a national website. Intercessors for America is going to be hosting that, and everybody will be able to go and find it at national day of repentance. But that won't be up for about a week or two. This, the court just set the date, so we're now just kind of scrambling, but it'll, they'll find out about it if they sign the moral outcry petition. So is this something that your moral outcry is organizing? Or are they the ones promoting this? 
We are one of them, but also Jonathan Kahn of The Return, uh, Father Pavone of Priest for Life on the Catholic side. Um, some of the endorsers of the Moral Outcry petition are Dr. Dobson, for example, Tim Wildman of American Family Association. Uh, we've got about 25 groups promoting the National Day of Repentance at this time. So can you sign up Truth and Liberty as one of those promoting it? Yes, I can. With <laughs> I'd love to do Thank that. You. And if there's some Thank financial you. things involved in that, we'll be glad to contribute towards that too. Thank you. Amen. So one last question here before we run out of time. All right, uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, one, I, I think people are just wanting to know about help for women who've been forced to have an abortion. And I think you touched on some of that, but just again briefly, what resources do you have? If they go to the Justice Foundation website, the third major thing we have there is the Center Against Forced Abortion. We have the Moral Outcry, Operation Outcry for Women Who've Had Abortions, and the Center Against Forced Abortions. If you click that, it will give you legal tools, dear school counselor letter, dear parent letter, dear father of the child, a letter to the abortionist. And if you use these legal tools, and they're really simple, you're just like giving that letter to a parent who's forcing their daughter to have an abortion, it can stop the abortion like that. About 95% of the time it does. If it doesn't, contact the Justice Foundation. We'll find volunteer local attorneys all over the country that we work with through the Alliance Defending Freedom. There's 3,000 lawyers. So far, we've always found a lawyer for a young woman or a mature woman who needs help. And so... That's all at the website. Well, Alan, we want to thank you for what you're doing, man. This is a blessing, and I agree with you and believe that we are seeing an end to Roe versus Wade soon. Amen. I believe this is going to be awesome. Amen. So thank you for what you're doing. Again, thank they'll you. put up that information on the screen. I encourage all of our viewers to go check it out and participate. And praise God, we're going to be participating in the December the 1st day of the solemn assemblies where we'll be praying as this goes before the Supreme Court. So thank you for watching again. Thanks CTN for carrying this on their network every week. That is such a blessing. We just appreciate it. And we believe God's gonna bless you back for doing that. We do this every Monday night and we have on some great guests. I mean, it has caused no small stir, especially on Facebook, <laughs> amen. So uh, come check us out. We do it at 6 p.m. Mountain Time every Monday. And again, Alan, thank you. God bless you. God bless all of you who watched tonight. And thank we'll you. see you again next Monday for another Truth and Liberty livecast. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our livecasts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 